What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. On today's Roundtable podcast, we're going to go through a really interesting story of how someone made a lot of money at a really young age, learned a couple of lessons as they lost it all, and then turned around and made a fortune running multiple businesses and teaching people how to do the same. That, not. <laughs> not. That, that is not true, Russ. We can't even. Please don't start off with that. No, we we are. This is the classic tale of someone saying, do as I say, not as I do. You remember when your parents used to say that? I think sometimes I do it like Alexander, <laughs> stop at that at that stop sign. And then I yield through a stop sign from time to time. <laughs> I'm not going to bring up the fact that my wife and I snuck some cheesecake last night and told the girls to go to bed. I mean, you know, we wouldn't let them do eat cheesecake that late at night. Well, here's the thing is we are sitting here breaking down another example of how someone is out there saying one thing and doing another. And, hey, look, I'm not here to call hypocrisy on other people except when they're pointing out issues in in the work that we're doing. And when someone says the infinite banking concept is a scam – and we have to take time out of our day to break this down and figure out, okay, what was said? Does it make sense? And then we look at the body of work of the individual breaking it down, and we say, well, wait a second. If I look at your seven baby steps, I don't see anywhere where you talk about investing in yourself and creating a business like you did. Mm. Yeah, so, let's, I mean, we're talking about Dave Ramsey here, Russ. Dave is the king of creating a marketing machine. A, a an enormous business. I, the Vestipedia article we were just reading said that a business is worth almost $55 million. Yeah, that's no small thing. That's an amazing feat. I feel like we should be doing like a, a whole talk on how did Dave Ramsey build a business that's worth $55 million and what, what lessons could we learn from it? Yeah, totally. But what we won't do is talk about how Dave Ramsey teaches you to buy life insurance. <laughs> what we won't do is, is show you how Dave Ramsey teaches you to do what he did in order to make $55 million. Even though he may invest money in growth stock mutual funds, that's not how he's made his fortune. That is a fraction of a fraction of, of a fraction of the money that has really built his fortune. Yeah. So today you're in for a treat because we're going to talk about really how the differences in what Dave says Uh, how you should build wealth and how Wealth Without Wall Street talks about building wealth, why we're different on those things, what you can learn from that, and how you can uh, discern the comments that Dave made against IBC. I think the whole goal here is when you want financial freedom now, the message is very clear, as opposed to when you're willing to delegate it off to someone else and wait 30 or 40 years to achieve it. Let's don't take any longer Let's belly up. 
Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones, and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where every week we break down the perfect subject the financial foundation of the infinite banking concept, or some like to call it becoming your own banker. And I get a chance to sit around with our coaches to talk about these subjects. I'm your host, Russ, the idea guy, Morgan. And I'm next to my business partner, the Italian stallion, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? Man, I am so fired up right now. Are you? Yes, this is is one of those opportunities that we get to debunk. And, uh, you know, I get a little fired up about that. Joey, do you know what hand grenades and Dave Ramsey's financial advice have in common? I know you're going to tell me. Uh, that, that they only have to be close in order to make an impact? Mm. And I think we're going to get to see So true. So true. Don't you agree? Yes. And next to you, the, the, the man that I like to refer to as the Indiana Jones of finance, <laughs> the guy that can go deep in your finances and pull out little bitty gold nuggets, Ernie, downtown Brown. What's up, Ernie? <laughs> I am uh, doing a little bit worse now, Russ. <laughs> if I don't like get the chance to like mess up your your little name over and over and over again, it's not even fun. I know that's why I keep coming back. Yeah, <laughs> Did, Ernie, are you are you ready to break down what Dave Ramsey got wrong in this video? Yeah, I'm I'm loving this subject. I don't know if we're gonna have enough time today. Be honest with you. Yeah, I, I wonder too. Across the table from us, we have our resident pilot, the Gooch, Mark Haraguchi. What's happening, Mark? Oh, you know what? Christmas comes early. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> it really does. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. <laughs> All year long. And and lastly but not least, the million dollar smile, Mr. Incredible, Mr. JD Hill. What's up, JD? Hey, hey, I am, like everybody else, I am really, really excited to uh, finally get a chance to uh, openly share how I feel about Dave Ramsey and his financial advice. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about this. Well, well, Dave Ramsey is confused about a lot of things, and life insurance is one that he really gets wrong. If you want to get financial advice, I don't think that would be the place to go. But if you're looking for marketing help, uh, someone who is really good you know, delivering a message and has built an amazing business. I think he's the person I would totally go to. And and I'm not saying that tongue in cheek, like there's no doubt that in this conversation we're going to have today, uh, we're going to have a fraction of the people who will ultimately hear this podcast, listen to this video or watch it as opposed to some of the content that Dave puts out. So please don't hear us attacking maybe character as much as content. And I really want to I really want to really focus on the content of the discussion. And the reason this matters is because when you have a large voice like Dave does, even people who are listening 
to Dave who maybe not Dave listeners, right? Because I, I don't think that, Joey, the person who listens to our podcast listens to Dave's radio show. Would you agree? Totally agree. And I, But here's what happens. As someone who who's learning about infinite banking, they want to learn more, right? I mean, that's the reason they come to us. They found us online. They're watching videos. They're listening to podcasts. And, and they type in infinite banking just to say, hey, what else can I learn? Like, I, I'm just sure. eager. I want to grab information. Mm-hmm. And because of Dave's presence, right, his SEO is going to push him to the top of the list. And so they're going to watch this nine-minute video, potentially, that Dave Ramsey did. And I'm, I'm pointing you to it because I, I don't want to hide it. I think this is something we want to bring to light, this nine-minute video that's titled Why Infinite Banking is a Scam. And they're going to watch that and without any context, could maybe be misled by a few of the misrepresentations that happen in the video. A few is very kind. All right. So let, let me set the stage for you. If you mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to go watch the video, we'll make sure we put a link to it in, in the show notes. It, it opens by a man who calls into Dave's show and he's talking about that he's in baby set, uh, baby step seven. Do you remember what baby seven? like in order to be there, what's had to happen at that point? So if, if I remember correctly, he has saved a thousand bucks. Yeah. He has uh, six months of reserves. Okay. He has paid off all his debts. Yeah. Uh, I may have missed some things he's along the way. 15% in his retirement plan. Oh yeah. 15% of retirement. And then he subsequently paid off his house. Right. And I think I, maybe I forget what number I'm on, but at seven, he, it says he's building wealth and something else. And what, living, what living generously. And living generously. Okay. Which, which, by the way, I've looked at those seven baby steps, and I can get all behind step number seven. Like, giving, living life and, and giving generously. Like, I'm 100% in, in, in line with that step there. All right, so he, he basically says, all right, I'm at a point where I've done all of those things. I'm talking to a financial advisor. And the financial advisor gives me this piece of information about infinite banking. And Dave, all of a sudden, <laughs> he starts getting antsy. No, he didn't. <laughs> like, uh-oh, here it comes. And he and he says, you know, he shows me an example of how um, this, this uh, life insurance policy paying a dividend could break even in year seven. And this is about where everything starts to go off the rails. Tell me a little bit, Ernie, about Dave's first response to hearing about infinite banking and the insurance policy paying a dividend and the policy breaking even in year seven. Well, it looks like in the video, he starts to gather a thought and and talk about why this concept is confusing and lay down some facts. And then all of a sudden he attacks the, the advisor or not the advisor. We find out the insurance guy. And so he's about to lay down what he understands and dislikes about infinite banking. And he, quickly pivots and attacks the financial advisor. Well, can I, can I just throw this out as a, a warning slash a call out? Like if you on, if you listen to our show and you hear us openly attack a, the character of someone versus the actual strategy or investment or whatever that someone is asking you about, please call us out on this because I'm, I'm, I'm calling Dave to the mat on this because the guy didn't ask about the character of the person selling him this idea or giving him this idea. It was literally, he said, do you think this idea makes sense? What do you think he was actually asking for? It was his, his objective financial mind to look at a situation 
And what did he do? He went off the rails on literally the character of somebody he's never met. Okay, so like, jump, call me out on that if that happens. Jump in there, Mark. What's some initial thoughts on this? Well, he starts getting into labeling because <laughs> he he's he, he's he's pining, he's digging, he's trying to find something, and he's going. So wait, so so this was a financial guy. Your your, your financial guy told you this, and the guy says, "Well, yeah, I think he was insurance." Oh, well then, he's an insurance guy. He's not a financial guy. Well, now hold on a second. That seems to me like a very disrespectful, lofty, high on the mountain type looking down at other people. So you're telling me that someone who hasn't achieved all the little check marks next to their name on their resume doesn't qualify to have an idea about what may or may not be good, Dave? Well, well, me, that seems very, very small minded. Taking your point in hand there, right? What financial... Um, Qualifications does Dave or certifications does Dave hold currently, JD? Um, that would be none. So, as it relates to financial or non-financial, if we were labeling Dave, would it be proper to say Dave is a radio personality? A hundred percent personality. Yes. Right. So, if someone came to me and said, "Oh, I was talking to this." person who's a radio and TV personality about fill in the blank anything that wasn't radio TV personality aligned, should I immediately assume that person knows nothing about the subject? No, not necessarily. Right, because you don't know what other qualifications that they have, right? You don't know what experience they may hold. So just because one person holds a certain title or um, certification in one area doesn't mean they can't be certified in something else. True. That's true. I, I think that's interesting that he says that, which being coming from the financial perspective, because I have said this over and over when I started in the financial industry, I truly was in the financial industry. I was an investment advisor. We didn't sell life insurance as an, as a, as a tool, like the way we are using it now. I, I was truly the guy that was going out trying to set up investments, money, manage all of that stuff cared nothing about insurance, but I still had an insurance license. Okay. But wait a minute. So you just mentioned something I think needs to be cleared up. You've told me even in the past, how you thought about insurance guys when you were an investment advisor. Oh, only reason I thought, uh, yes. And and again, I would say I, I made some of those similar characterizations when I would go to conferences and I would be sitting next to people who were talking about infinite banking and I would go, now tell me what that is again. And they would say, oh, it's using this dividend paying life insurance policy, blah, blah, blah. And immediately my mindset went to this person isn't smart enough to pass the, the securities licenses. They, they were only qualified enough to spend the $45 and pass the eight-hour test to get, get them an insurance license. Yeah, I, that was the way that I thought. So well, th- that's I, what I'm saying. Like you, Dave, shared that mindset because that's how you were trained. Exactly. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you can have this high and mighty, like, oh, in order to get to this level, it, it would be the similar uh, stage that someone who maybe reached a PhD level in a in a certain subject matter could look down on someone who just had a you know a bachelor's in it. Right. Right. I think I think that's the perspective assuming that I have a higher level knowledge of anything now and much less in the, in that one specific area than somebody. A dividend, which I, I, I sell in a dividend. I'll, 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 I'll add this. I, I, and I don't 
know this with 100% certainty, but I, I'm like 99% sure every single CFP that I know personally, every single certified financial planner that I know personally, which is, by the way, the quote unquote gold standard, right, in the industry, um, has an insurance license and they sell insurance. So, so would Dave be suggesting that these CFPs are insurance guys and not true financial planners? Well, there's five major categories within the certified financial planning designation that gets you in order to be able to be certified. And one of those is in insurance, insurance. Planning. So yes, right. by the way, I am a certified financial planner. So later on in this, Dave says, everybody who's a certified financial planner, someone who's academically trained, realize these insurance guys are a joke. That's not clearly the case because what you're saying is almost every single one of them hold an insurance license. Ernie, you, you started to say something about dividend because I think that's funny. He, he really was like, dividend? What do you mean dividend? Why would he get so upset or why would the word dividend be so foreign to Dave? Mm -hmm. Well, an insurance guy and a dividend, that's the main two things. So yeah, I'm pointing out the dividend and he compares it to, to potentially if you invest in stocks and, and one of those stocks pays a dividend. And he compares that to what the IRS code deems a dividend for life insurance policy. Well, before you go there, Joey, in your limited knowledge of mutual funds, I know that's not an area that you you were trained in. In gross stock mutual funds, how many dividends are paid out on a regular basis? Today? <laughs> Zero. Well, it's very small, right? A growth stock is not going to be doing that, right? They're reinvesting all of the money. The whole objective is is to try to reach a higher dollar figure in the, in, the, in the future, right? They're not paying out dividends. So when he hears the word dividend and his main um, investment strategy is gross stock mutual fund, he, he knows that those two are disaligned. They're right. not in the same vein. All right, keep going where you were going. I just want to make sure I made that point out there that when we got to look at where Dave is telling people to invest and, and when we look at his baby steps, the first place he tells people to invest is where? 401k. In their retirement plans, 401ks, which is why that's going to differ from our strategy. We're going to right. say step one for someone is to have clarity on what they want. And when they're coming to talk to us, usually the clarity is, I want freedom now. Exactly. And, and now means I want to keep doing my job. I don't want to keep doing my job. I want to start living life on my own terms. It usually doesn't mean I want to defer till I'm 60 years old. Exactly. So we're going to conflict with Dave's strategy right off the bat because those two things don't align with us. We're going to try to find ways to get access to our money and put it to work. Keep going. Dave. Yeah. Well, I think the, the dividend discussion is, is really interesting. Not so much in terms of we need to define what a dividend is. But how does it work and, and how's it beneficial to us? Why is it not a bad thing for insurance companies to pay dividends? All right, well, let's go to that. So Dave says, uh, by definition, if you go to the IRS code, it's an overcharge, a deliberate overcharge. So by, the, by, by what, it, what he's calling this, in essence, that life insurance companies are a Ponzi scheme because they're only able to get money from customers policy holders yep. and then turn around because they've overcharged you and pay you back a dividend, which what he calls a deliberate pass through. It's all it can be. And that you are just getting back a portion of the money you put in there. And yet you think you're happy. Who's this infinite banking for? It's just infinite banking for them. How do you feel about that, Mark? I'm going to go with uh, dislike to very dislike. <laughs> <laughs> 
JD has a great run on this, and I'll I'll, I'll let him chime in on this one because I, I think his answer was was more eloquent than mine. But it it just it's it, it's it's unfair for him to explain it that way and and to make it seem like this this horrible horrible act that's being committed in broad daylight when if it really was such a bad thing if it really was this horrible fraudulent act then why is it being allowed to happy be happening in broad daylight well i mean even even thinking bigger than that it's like man these big banks with billions of dollars in life insurance have been duped like i i feel so bad for Wells Fargo to have $18 billion of this, like they could be so much more profitable if they didn't get duped like this. And I mean, is that, I mean, that's ludicrous. Well, clearly the people, the investment advisors at the bank have not been academically trained. They all must be insurance advisors. Yeah, exactly. JD, well, you were, so, you were going to share an idea on this. Well, yeah. So the, the, the premise that I think that, that David shared, you know, was, was the, in a mutual company, the customers, right, are the policy owners in the company, right? They own, quote unquote, the 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 the, the company by by way of, of being a policy owner. Whereas in a stock company, right, if so, say Prudential, for example, is a stock company. Uh, I can go right now uh, and I can buy Prudential stock, and if I buy Prudential stock, I am now a shareholder, right, a minority shareholder, basically, in in, in Prudential for based on however much stock I decide to buy. But if I buy a policy from Prudential, that does not make me an owner in the company. That just makes me a customer. Okay. Well, in a mutual company, they don't have, you can't go on and, and buy stock in a mutual company. So if you own a policy, you are in effect a shareholder in the company. You are a, a owner in the company. So therefore, any profit that that company has pays that back to you in the form of a dividend from a, from a mutual company standpoint, the same way that in a stock company, whenever they have profits, they pay that in the form of a dividend to their shareholders. Here's the interesting thing though, is that it felt like he was in a lot of ways trying to demonize the mutual company structure, which doesn't make sense to me because if I, if I, for example, if I go and I buy stock at say Home Depot, right? If I own Home Depot stock, I want that stock to go up. It's in my best interest for that stock to go up. And the only way for a company to be profitable is to intentionally overcharge for their cost of goods, right? Meaning Home Depot can't be profitable if they sell me a hammer at their cost. So they have to intentionally overcharge me for that hammer. Well, as a customer, I know going in that I'm paying over what they paid for it. I know that, right? Because they have, they have to be in business and then pay employees and all those types of things. So if I'm a customer of Home Depot and I go buy a hammer from Home Depot and, and overpay for that hammer, and then at the end of the year, because I own their stock, Home Depot issues a dividend. What did they just pay me back? Right? In Dave's definition, they basically returned back to me the overcharge of what they charged me for that hammer. Yeah. That's, so, that's so how a shame. is that any different? That's a shame that wanna, they would do that to you. Well, and here, I'm, I'm, this, this I'm right. came up later in the video, but I think it's worthy of tying these two together and talking about this here. Is Dave loves to bring up this point, and we've debunked this in. Uh, Dave Ramsey is wrong on life insurance and, and some of the videos that we, uh, and math proves it. I think we have two different YouTube videos that we can link into the show notes that address these different issues. But one of the things that he says a lot, and because a lot of people just don't understand the the terminology, they forget 
and, and will misplace this information as like, oh, that makes total sense. Well, Dave says in there is that when a life insurance company, when you die, they steal your cash value. <laughs> they steal it from you, Ernie. They literally break into your house and rob you of the cash that you put into the house. And all they can do is give you the face value of the policy. That's all they can do. They steal all the money that you put in there. And I know that Jeez. this actually um, has weight because it's been brought up to me over and over throughout the years. And so I want to talk about this because I think it's such a silly misnomer to even talk about it. All right. Here's the example, JD. You were just using Home Depot. All right, let's just say I buy Home Depot stock. I want to put $1,000 a month in a Home Depot stock over the next 10 years. How much money am I going to put in? $1,000 a month? $1,000 a month. $12,000. Yeah, I'm going to put in 120 grand. I'm going to put 120 grand. And let's assume that I die in 10 years and, and the stock's value is $250,000 at the end of two years, at the end of 10 years. How much will my wife get, assuming she's the inheritor of that of that stock? How much will she get? The value of the stock, so two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So did they steal her cash? Pirates. Oh yeah, according to Dave, they did. <laughs> Straight up stock pirates. But would anybody would anybody say that they stole the cash? No, no. absolutely not. No, it, the same thing. Let's just assume that I have a 15-year mortgage and I and I pay uh, over that 15 years for that house $250,000. And I die at the end of 15 years and the house is worth $400,000. Paid off, $400,000. How much will my wife get? $400,000. Do they steal the 250,000 I put into it to get it to to pay for it off? According to Dave Ramsey, yes. <laughs> Mortgage pirates. It, it is literally the dumbest <laughs> argument. And I, and I hear him repeat it over and over. And I'm like, why do you keep saying this? This is so dumb. Like, but people will repeat it and go, they steal your cash. Well, just to be clear, give the insurance example. No. Well, so in this example, the person puts in, I don't know what the number, let's say they put in $500,000 over their lifetime. I'm going to make the number bigger. And when they die, the death benefit pays out a million dollars. Do they steal the cash? Life insurance pirates. <laughs> I can show an example of this too. Well, we're we're gonna have to do that in the inner circle. Which, in the by the way, this is firing me up. Like this is the kind of stuff that we have in the inner circle. If you're not a member already, shameless plug. Go to wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. You can actually be a part of this conversation. Well, not this one, but another one in the future, and you can watch this one. Uh, in our in our inner circle. Well, so join go, us. You, you can go in there and look and find the inner circle that we're going to bring out to help uh, help you see and uncover the stupidity in in some of the financial comments. Right again, I'm not calling Dave stupid. He's a smart guy. What I'm saying is these statements lacked content. They they are, are substance to them. One of the things he said right there at the beginning is that the insurance company, if all the money they bring in, all their investments are the insurance premiums from the customers, hold on a second, it, are the insurance uh, premiums are all their investments, and then they turn around and give you back that in the form of a dividend, then all you're doing is being paid back with their dollars. But Joey, I, I'm sitting here looking at a study from the Chicago Fed, the Federal Reserve in Chicago, and it's breaking out for me what insurance companies invest in. 
Now, I know the only line item on there is premiums. Mm. Customer premium. It's a short. It's a short report. Yeah, it's only it's got really, one line on it. Yeah. Right. Or no? D- does it have other things that they invest their dollars in? Yeah, there's a, actually about 15 lines here. What, what's the number one things where, where um, insurance companies put their their money to work at? It's like bonds. Bonds. Mm. Okay. D- do you know the bond market? Like quadruples the stock market. I mean, it's so much bigger than the stock market. It's like it's like its little brother. Nobody ever talks about the bond market. It's like <laughs> enormous, right? But it, that's where insurance companies put their money. The the large majority of all the investments the insurance companies have are in bonds. Why do they do that, by the way? Because they're in the for the long game. They're long term, right? Most bonds are 20, 30 year long, and they pay what? Consistently monthly. Consistent monthly income. Why do they have to have consistent monthly income? They got a lot of liability. They got to be concerned about. They've got to be able to produce the payments that are come due every single month, every single year for those death claims, right? That's right. So this is one of those things that it, it, Dave, I, you know he knows this, but he doesn't say it. He didn't. He said the only thing that they invest in is nothing. They, they literally, the only money that comes, only comes from overcharging people. Right. Like the premium is the only source of income for the company. Well, and I do want to break this out. We, we're going to literally have to do part two and probably part three of this because we've only gotten like, I think we're in like minute one point, <laughs> like a, a minute 30 we're, into this. We're nine a good 15 video. seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he talks about the dividend, going back to the dividend, he talks about what are they doing with it. And I, mm-hmm. I just want to like keep pointing that out, that the insurance companies uh, one of the part that he did say was a, 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 a partial truth is that the IRS declaration of an, a dividend is an overcharge, right? And we know that to be true. We, I mean, in Nelson mm-hmm. Nash's book, he says a premium or a dividend is a return of premium. It's a return of premium. Unused. Yeah, and, and they've, they have done that. Mark, you're a pilot. By trade, that makes you an engineer, right? Well, I just don't know why you guys are letting me talk right now because I should only be talking about airplanes, apparently, according to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for let, let's talk about airplanes. As an airplane pilot, as an a, an engineer, when there's gauges all over that airplane, when they put red lines on those on those gauges, does it mean when you hit those red lines, the plane blows up? Speaking from a friend, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you never have, have exceeded any of those marks. <laughs> but why are those red lines there? The buffer. It, it, it's, it's to let you know that you shouldn't go past that. But the engineers are smart enough to know that, you know what, sometimes things happen. And so there's a buffer built in beyond the red line. And isn't, J.D., isn't that in essence what the actuaries are doing as they're helping build these life insurance policies? As Aren't they building in buffers? I mean, they, they have to. And unfortunately, they're not um, fortune tellers. So they can't predict exactly when each application of insurance that's coming in at that person when they're going to die. Right. So, so, I mean, they're pretty good at predicting death, but they're not fortune tellers to the extent that they can tell you exactly when you are going to die. But, but yeah, so they have to build in a buffer because life happens, right? Some people are going to die early. Some are going to die late. And so they have to build in a buffer for that. 
And if by building in those buffers, that is a deliberate overcharge. I don't disagree with that. But the the first line from the person, the caller, was that they showed me an example where after seven years, I've got all the money back. They've never addressed that from that point forward. Well, well what else didn't Dave address? Well, and maybe this is where we have to lead have, into the second have one. To be another one. Let's stay with okay. this part and then we'll, we'll go to that because we don't have time to go through that part yet. I want to come back to that. I'm ready to go. But... You, you broke you broke my train of thought. <laughs> he never addressed the fact that it breaks even in seven years. Why? Because if it did, or if it ever broke even, or even potentially if it ever came close to breaking even, it might be a good tool for us to use to implement the infinite banking concept. Why do you think that, Mark? Why do you think he didn't address it? I think because it doesn't fit Dave's Dave's narrative. It doesn't fit Dave's product. It doesn't fit Dave's model. JD? Well, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a number of things because the caller had even indicated that he's risk averse and he's looking for, you know, a safer place to store his capital. I mean, that was, he led in with that, which again, if you look at the totality, just, just in, in that little moment of meeting with this particular advisor, explaining to the advisor where he's at and that he's risk averse. And then this becomes the, the, the potential recommendation I, I think I think it's outside of Dave's peer view, and and he doesn't understand it. And so, just like with human nature in general, right? We run from things that we don't understand. Like it's just it's what we do. And and so I think that's exactly why he responded initially the way that he did, instead of providing an intelligent response, right? About it. I'm not saying Dave's dumb because clearly he's not. He's a very intelligent individual. But I'm saying about this in particular, he he went immediately to something that he knew he could do, which individual and not actually talk about the product itself. Well, let me, let me state this too. And this is probably a, an obvious fact for most people, but if you walked into any professional's office and you gave them 15 seconds worth of information and they started giving you a uh, a prescription to your problem, how much buy-in would you have? Like, do you believe someone with 15 seconds worth of information can make decisions that have life impact to you? Can have the can, can be giving you the right advice. Like I, I want to say just for the beginning, like I think people listen to Dave Ramsey's show because they like to watch him emotionally blow up. I, I'm not going to say it's Jerry Spring, Springer, maybe it's Maury Povich or something, right? Like, but there's a moment of just pure like entertainment value to listening to him and i i could see where people because he he is a funny guy like he is very energetic he he rails it is a car crash moment at least in every episode that i've ever had a chance to watch you know but i, I think of maybe that they see that entertainment value but if we're really going for financial insight like uh, joey you and i have been on many calls we we're doing this uh freedom seekers master class live and we're having 30 minute interviews with people that are going through it. And I don't know about you, but I'm not giving a whole lot of advice. And I'm sitting there for 30 minutes trying to consume what these people have, have been doing in their lives up to this point. And then the next time we get together, we're gonna have some deeper conversations, but that's 30 minutes of seeing and hearing what's going on in their lives. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm asking more and more questions throughout that 30 minutes because there's no possible way to know 
you know, how should I be looking at this debt? How should I be looking for this passive income? What are my skills? What are my goals? Like there's so many things that affect the financial future of this person. It's impossible to give them any sort of direction in even the first 30 minutes. So I would just say just on on that alone, we know that the advice is bad, right? Just the fact that he is willing to give advice that quickly for anybody's scenario is really a bad idea. Irresponsible is what it is. It's malpractice. But since he doesn't hold any licenses, it's not a malpractice, right? Like if you ask me what to do, you know, with your heart condition and I gave you advice, if you take it, you're stupid, right? I'm not a physician. (laughs) You shouldn't be taking my advice just because I have a radio show that talks about, you know, heart conditions. You need to be checking me. Like what, what sort of experience, and credentials do I have? And not to mention, even if I was a physician and I'm not practicing, am I up to date on the most current information? Because one of the things Dave said in here is, oh, what is it? One of those two companies, one of those mutual companies, either Prudential or Northwestern. Well, a Google search will tell you that Prudential hasn't been a mutual company for over 20 years. And that's a, a little, little detail we'll break out in another video, but it's just like little details. You can see like Dave's information is sort of there. Sort of like that hand grenade, close enough to make an impact, mm. but not perfect, right? All right, so we got to end this. We got to jump into the inner circle because, J.D., I know you got some stats. You got actually some spreadsheets because we do want to look at the numbers. We want to talk about some of the examples uh, within this actual uh, video that Dave was talking about and why his answers are so bad. But I, are you guys okay if we come back and do next week maybe a part two follow-up? I'm not only okay. I think it's necessary. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Mark, any party shots? I'll be back. You'll be back, JD? <laughs> yeah, well, we're the Dave Ramsey Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> we will be stealing Dave's cash that comes from this video, hopefully, by sharing correct information that will hopefully help people at least know where to go gain the information that they'll need to make the right decision. So as always, thank you for listening in on our Inner Circle Roundtable podcast. Hope you'll come back next week and listen to part two. Wow, that episode was on fire. No doubt. The way you can continue to gain value from these episodes is when you learn something, you go and share it with somebody else. So today, I want you to share this episode with one person that you know will love it. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.